And we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Pencil. When peace comes, remember, it will be for us, the children of today, to make the world of tomorrow a better and happier place. We are beginning to be able, cautiously and with our eyes open, to encourage some interchange of ideas. We have to start thinking about tomorrow. I've heard that somewhere. Save your energy. We must act today in order to preserve tomorrow. And let there be no misunderstanding. Our objectives are clear. Well, I'd like to go in Russia and show them this rock and roll You think the Russians could dig your kind of music? They're digging. Save your energy. Look yonder! The big Russian satellite is just a jamming it like I know. We are talking about a society in which there will be no roles other than those chosen or those earned. We are really talking about humanism. Why did you put what we said on the radio? To encourage some interchange of ideas, of books, magazines, students, tourists, artists, radio programs, technical experts. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being. I want you and your boys to cease and desist from violating the American airwaves or I won't be responsible for the consequences. Further communications may not be possible. It's this guy. He's got a pirate radio station. We intend to bring it to existence by any means necessary. what's on the comm channels? Very active, sir. Multi-facing transmissions. Oh, that's tough. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, so let's talk about nonprofits. Yes. All right, so the news is, or the developing story is that the Marathon County Board is looking to eliminate half of itself <laughs> in order to continue funding these important nonprofit um, centers in the in Marathon County. Is that am I reading that correctly? Okay. Yes, you are. Um, I would say so. The budget, as proposed. Um, cuts down funding for all of the nonprofits by a quarter percent this year, and the the intention is to cut it down by a quarter until we're not funding nonprofits anymore. Um, and that was something that the executive committee gave direction to Brad, uh, the county administrator, to do. Um, obviously, we're on tight budgets, and all of that goes without saying. Um, now, the proposal you're talking about is a resolution that was brought to the executive committee from Supervisor Jeff Johnson. And his idea was, hey, let's hack this, let's hack the board in half, and uh, we'll use the savings to fund the nonprofits. So the executive com committee considered it, um, and they ultimately voted against it. They said, nah, we don't like this. But they also voted to create a task force to start considering, like, maybe we should actually cut the board in half. So the goal is that, like, maybe this isn't the right way to save the money um, or tie it to the budget, but it is probably a good idea to consider this anyway. Okay, so then let's talk about the first part of that. So yeah. you said it's a half of a percent being cut from nonprofits? So 
I don't know what the total is for the budget, but for each, this is kind of frustratingly, it's simple, which is one of the reasons I don't actually like the formula they use. It's basically taking 25% of the budget that we give them away. So like I'm looking at the, I'm, I'm looking at what we fund historical society, for instance. So we had in the past been giving them $54,000. Um, so they want to cut, 13,000 this year, another 13,000 next year. So they're slowly but surely cutting down that budget. But they're kind of doing, they're doing this to every single nonprofit. So, you know, you're cutting a quarter, a quarter of the budget from historical society, from the Wisconsin Valley Fair, from the women's community, from United Way 211, so you're kind of just whatever nonprofit you are. If you're considered a nonprofit, then then you're getting cut. So it's not really the most thoughtful way. We're not really looking at each of these nonprofits saying, "Wow, you know, the women's community actually saved some lives here. Um, maybe we should consider them a little bit differently than we do the Wisconsin Valley Fair." Right. So right. So how how did we get here? Uh, so every year, um, I imagine back in the day being on county board was awesome because you had this like hundred million dollar budget, you know, whatever you just had money to spend and, you know, you could, you could do things and, you know, the legislature wasn't telling you what to do. Um, but you know, now we have these levy limits, um, and, you know, probably gosh, 10 years before I was even on the board, we had a recession, so you end up with this place where you have the levy limits, but every year it costs a million more dollars to do exactly what you did last year. So you're not even talking about any of the new programming or thinking into the future about justice, what that looks like. It's just everything you want to do costs a million dollars more. So that's pretty much where we're at, and we, we don't really have the same um, opportunities to raise revenue um, as other maybe city governments, for instance. Um, but we're trying. So for, the, for those people who don't know, what is a levy limit? Oh, yes. So that's the, the tax money um, that we get. So, I mean, it's probably not interchangeable, but when I think about levy, I think of this is the money that comes from the taxpayers. And it's somehow, we have, there's a limit as to how much you can gather yep 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 so um i'm not sure actually when it started it it, it could have started in the doyle administration it could have started in the you know at every level of government we're all sitting here and we're like okay we've got our we've got our responsibilities and we've got things we want to do and we want to make the life of our residents much better but it's also Oh, you like I look at the state government and I'm like, you are just handicapping us at every point. You're, you're telling us we have to do these things and you're not giving us enough money. And then they're, of course, looking at the federal and they're saying, oh, my gosh, you know, you you have all these things you want, but we want more local control. So, like, we're all at every level. We're just kind of like fighting and we're we're saying we're for local control when, you know, really we're just kind of arguing with each other about what we should be able to spend the money on. So, um I, what was your question again? <laughs> or did we hit it? I have no idea. I, I'm complete. Yeah. So I think the deal was I, I wanted an explanation about how 
um, the levy is okay. limited. Okay. So let's just see here. I pulled this up um, when I was looking at Brad's budget message, um, the county administrator. And so he said, um, let me just see here. So when he was talking about the tax rate and the tax levy, um, you know, we kind of use all these different terms and you can say things that maybe mean kind of a little bit different. But when he says um, the tax rate is going down for the county, but our property tax levy is increased by a million dollars. So basically that means that some of the property values are going up. So we're able to gain that in revenue. Um, but what, what we're actually able to pull in via the... I feel like I'm I'm going crazy. You're doing to... fine. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, so the rate the rate is down. Um, but again, we're just talking about how we have that million dollar cost to continue every year, and then when you end up with things like the jail uh, needing to be fixed in a hurry, um, costing two million dollars, you know, it, it, that kind of stuff adds up, and it'd be much better for us to be thoughtful about that. Um, especially when it comes to things like the justice system and where you could see efficiencies. So then, right, that that leads to sort of a question about how do, do you think that the county board is historically reactive or they move through things strategically? And you don't have to answer that one. No, I do want to answer that because that's like, I mean, obviously, I'm running for mayor, and one of the big things that I keep talking about is strategic planning and why it's so important. And it's one of the things that the county has done. Um, you know, they have put together a strategic plan, and ha- and we've been slowly attacking each part of that plan. I mean, when we get to the, our committee work, that's what we're talking about. How do we affect change in these different areas? So I think that the county has been trying, um, but I think that we've also kind of dragged our feet on some big things that are now coming home to roost. So one of the things that has been driving me insane for the last maybe 10 years, because I've been on the library board for that long is the roof situation. Um, We've needed a new roof for a very long time. Yes. And you know, for the first couple of years I was on the library board, it was like, yeah, yeah, your, your project is in the CIP. Um, the CIP project list of the county, um, but good luck getting funded. And then, you know, last, not not last budget cycle, but the one before, um, we said, you know what, we just have to borrow $4.5 million so that we can do all these projects, including the library roof, which was great. I was like, oh, my gosh, we we're finally going to fix it. And then, you know, we might even be able to look ahead and put solar panels on it or, you know, start thinking about stuff like this. Um But because we waited so long, I mean, eight years from when you're like, hey, we have a really big problem. When they went up and the engineers went up on the roof to start, you know, figuring out what we needed to do to fix it. They're like, oh, this is actually a bigger problem than we anticipated. There's like, because it's flat in some parts, there's a membrane and there's moisture getting in there and the windows are wrong. And there's all kinds of crazy things that, you know, that building itself is just crazy because, you know, they had an architecture architect come in and, and plan it. And then the library foundation was so generous and like, actually, we should have a third floor. So then, you know, you're like adding on to this project and you end up with this kind of weird little piecemeal thing. Um, 
You can't have stacks on it. You can't really have people gathering. It's This is the kind of thing where you're like, you really want to say that you were strategic and, and thoughtful and, and, but it just kind of doesn't make sense. The same thing with the jail, you know, we have people on the county board saying, oh, you know, this has been a problem for 20 years. And I'm, I'm just thinking, well, why, why did you vote against it for 20 years then? Like, why didn't you vote to fix this? So I think we're kind of stuck in this place between like, we want to do put the effort in on the planning side, but then when it comes to actually getting that work done to get to get to us, you know, to actualize this plan, we've been dragging our feet a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I just I think I'm just sitting here thinking about other legislative things that are very similar on, on a federal yeah. level. You know, where Well you've got thirty eight members. Right. <laughs> Yeah, they all they're like, yes, this is a good idea. Okay, so here's here's the box where we put the money in. Yeah, okay, that's a really good idea. We're not putting any money in the box, which is essentially yeah. a a vote of non-support for the initial idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I we we were sitting here or I was sitting here thinking about Tommy Thompson. So when <laughs> in in our experience or my experience when the the state of Wisconsin passed or when we worked to get the the family planning waiver passed in Wisconsin, Tommy Thompson was the governor, and he's like, that's great, we should have that. And then when it came time to appropriate money to it, he just was like, nope, no, we're not here. You, have, you absolutely can have this program, but we're not putting any money into it. And the cool mm-hmm. thing is, is once he got to be uh, Health and Human Secretary, HHS Secretary, then at the federal level, he put all sorts of money in it. And so it was it was just sort of one of those things where we came away thinking about the concept of, yes, voting for something is great, but allocating funds to fix the thing is also really important. Yep. <clears throat> and it seems like you guys struggle with that. Like, hey, we really want to fix the jail 17 years ago, but we don't have any money right. for that. Because we got to fund the fair. Yeah, so I keep thinking about this. I remember when my dad was on county board, and it might have been 2013, I want to say, 2014. They, um, it's just an example that makes me think, I get really frustrated about it, but at the end of the day, we did the right thing. So they were talking about um, borrowing to, um, to, to renovate Mount View. Sure. So this was in 2013, 2014. Um, and, you know, they did all the they did all the studies. They did all the, you know, everything they needed. I think they ended up spending ultimately $5 million on the study. And then they started, they actually took an initial vote on the borrowing. And then when it came around to doing the actual, like, putting it out for bids, it got voted down. Like, People were called up and said, "Wow, oh, we don't need this," and it got voted down. Like it was crazy. It was, it was a crazy. You know, you wasted five million, all of this, and I think how frustrating that is. But it's it's very different than the process we took to actually get us to the point where we are going to renovate Mountview now. You know, I was on the I was the vice chair of that committee, so for an entire year we took in information, we studied it. We, I mean, we were meeting once or twice a month to make sure that we had all the best info on uh, nursing homes and why it's important that it would be a county instead of uh, a privately run nursing home, things like Medicaid reimbursement, I mean, stuff that 
when you start thinking about it at night, you're like, oh my gosh, I wonder why is this why is this reimbursement rate different for these people versus that? It's it's crazy, but you know we did that for a year, and then when we came down to having that vote again, we were much more educated, and we were able to bring along the rest of that board. You still had your your naysayers that really don't think that they should be involved in in healthcare, but you know it's just a process that's a little different right now. And I think the county has figured out that, okay, if we can, we can like very methodically get down to this um, planning and, and answer every question along the way and make sure that we have heard from all of the people that have concerns, then we're able to do this. So I think that's the kind of thinking we need more of, but it just, it's slow, man. It is so slow. And sometimes I'm at the finish line already and I feel like I have to wait a year. Yeah, I, I imagine it is. I, you know, because it's, it, it seems like it's a very slow moving body, regardless of the, you know, regardless of any of the inclinations of the board. It just seems like it's, I mean, it's a large body. It's like the city of Chicago city council size. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the largest county board in the nation, actually. That's what they tell us at NACO, which Dear I don't know. God. I'm not super proud of that. I know. No. It's it's giant. And, you know, again, you, I'm trying to think. I mean, very rarely do we have the entire board showing up to even our voting meetings. So you, you kind of got to wonder. And, and even if most people do, not everybody is participating at that level either. So you do wonder. There are some people you just never hear from. And you hope that they're participating at the committee level, but you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you can be a chair of a board that large and expect to develop people, even just the chairs of the committee chairs. I don't, and I don't know what kind of effort gets put into that. But which huh. which committees are you on? I'm on the Health and Human Services Committee, um, and that's my standing committee. Um, and I've, you know, I've spent some other time on other committees and I'm on the library board too, as a county board member. Okay. That's, yeah, that's fascinating. I, I really, as someone who used to receive, you know, money through the county board for healthcare work, I, I'm just fascinated. I've always been fascinated by it. Yeah. So, well, and that's, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, it's, I was just thinking, I mean, some of the stuff that we fund, especially important to the health and human services committee one of the things is start right it's ah, a program uh, yes do you want to talk about it no oh, yes <laughs> you talk about it and i'll just stand here and nod yeah <laughs> no so this is one of those things we it's maybe I'm try, i don't have the exact number i could probably pull it up it's just a little over a million dollars that the county puts into it and basically it's funding public health nurses to um, visit make home visits to pre and postnatal mothers and yes. these are all you know, they, they're screened. Um, these are all mothers that are at risk and at, with babies that are at risk. It's not like you're you're going to somebody's house who um, knows exactly what's going on. And, and I guess as a parent, you probably never really know exactly what's going on. But these are people who maybe are drug endangered or maybe they are coming from an abusive background or, you know, there's different things here. So Start Right is really focused on those very vulnerable populations um, so you get visits from public health nurses, and then you get um, resources, uh, most likely referrals to resources that you might need. Um, if you need 
you know, the WIC program, if you need this or that, like you, you get your referrals and they help you sign up for everything you need so that your baby has the most successful start in life because, you know, those first three years are so critical to having human beings that are able to function in society. I mean, they're finding it's just as important those first three years um, as anything else that you can do for someone. Yeah, I, yes, I think that, and, and the other thing that goes along with that is that programs like that are so incredibly cost effective. Mm-hmm. So as as you look at the sort of unintended consequences right. of eliminating programs like this, for example, so, might as well build a bigger jail. Right. For example, as a, a fight that I that I took part in, so we worked for uh, six full legislative cycles in the city in the state of New Jersey to get Chris Christie to just sign a family planning waiver or sign a family planning budget for their state. And he just simply refused. And it got to the point where we were going to, we were going to accept $0 because the, the healthcare outcomes were, uh, were so positive for people who engaged in these programs that the, the federal government would have subsidized all of the programming. And so when you look at something like Start Right, you just go, okay, so if if even if, you know, five of these women can postpone a secondary pregnancy from from one year to the third year, then all of a sudden the county and the state are saving X amount of dollars on unintended pregnancy births, which are incredibly costly and all of the services that go with them. And so even the smallest investment in programs like that are incredibly effective, incredibly effective and very far reaching in how in in the ways that they are effective. Right. It's it's so tough too to have those conversations because, you know, we're we're in this phase of human history where we really want to be data driven and and have that information. And when you're looking at programs that prevent, I mean, you can, you can extrapolate, I suppose. Um, and, and we try, but it's not the same as, you know, when the DA comes in and says, Hey, I need another prosecutor because we're going to be able to prosecute this many more cases. Why don't I take $60,000 from start, right? Um, it's one of those kind of weird and, lopsided arguments um you just you want to say but but wait if we are taking money from this program that is keeping babies safe and and their parents on the right track why would we want to then take it away so we're leaving them more vulnerable and open to you know adverse childhood experiences and they could end up in the system um down the road anyway like we could actually be preventing people from entering your system so it's it's a tough conversation to have because we're all so strapped. So then I on a on a personal level, how hard is that struggle for you? Oh man, I am so emotional. I went to the finance committee meeting and I just like I had a really hard time waiting to be called on even, you know, I'm like, Oh Roberts rules this and that, you know, like I really like I fought for it and you know, I you that's what you have to do sometimes. You just I'm passionate about things that give women and children the best start they need in life and being able to 
you know, kind of control their own destiny if given the right resources, it's tough. So when we're talking about cutting stuff that, that gives people a little bit more of an edge and more independence, I, I hate it. Yeah. So do you think that the county bo- the county board sees things like economic justice when they when they think about stuff? Uh, I would say it's probably not the way people look at it. I even, you know, we talk about the United Way 211. Um, that's one of those programs that we fund um, because it actually prevents people from calling the county like, oh, how do I get in touch with this kind of a social worker or that? Right. Like it actually funnels people into the right places. And when I look at the, stat, the stats for that one, for instance, it's more than 70% women that are using that line. And when I point it out, it's just kind of silence. But I think it just needs to continuously be pointed out. I mean, we don't, we, we don't have as many women on the county board, and especially young women who maybe are, are parents right now. Um, you've got a lot of people who are maybe grandparents, um, which is great, but they're not thinking about the need right now, what, how you can get through this life, especially if you are struggling. I can't imagine um, not having enough funds to work with and then adding a child on top of that and then not knowing where to go. Yeah, I, yes. As, as someone who worked in that area for a long time, I, I find it shocking. I've, I'm consistently, you know, outraged at just the nonsense. Like, for example, just today, there's, you know, uh, a giant outbreak in four states of syphilis. And, and the thing is, it's, it's one of those deals where it's like, yes, this is terrible, but yes, we can fix this if you give us some public health dollars, you know, because everything requires resources. Nobody plans for a a breakout of syphilis. You know, there's no, that's not a thing that you can plan for. And so, you know, to, to sort of to see these states struggle with, you know, essentially making value judgments on this. So do I want to do I want to allocate these public health dollars or do I want to build a subway stop? OK, well, there are people dying over here. But yes, that subway stop, I'm sure, is valuable. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really tough, too, because when you I mean, I think we've had these conversations on Twitter before, but when you're talking about public health, it's kind of I mean, it's a different mentality than, you know, you just going to your doctor and getting done what you need done. I mean, this right. is stuff where you care about populations and you don't make the moral judgment on this, like, oh, it's a sexually transmitted disease, so so people should feel bad and suffer or whatever. I don't, you know, I don't know what's in people's hearts and minds, but it's, it's That's tough it. when you're talking about public health versus, you know, private citizen health. I mean, we just had that with the vaccine discussion. Oh, and you're going to have it with uh, the city of Wass is going to have it with former county board member Jack Hugendick wanting to talk about comprehensive sex ed. Yeah, it's very, it's just too bad. You know, I, I know, you know, people have strong moral convictions and, and, you know, we're glad that people are coming from some way of wanting to make the world better. But if you're, if you 
the way you're making it better is actually making it worse for people based on the outcomes, you kind of have to question that moral stance. I mean, you even have, you know, you have the Pope that is changing trajectories on yeah. some of this stuff. So you just really, you know, I, we are in, we're going to be in 2020 next year. So, I mean, we really have to make smart choices about how we're going to protect people. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny because it's a podcast and I'm, I'm partially aware of what I what I want to say and how I want this to go. But, I, you know, the other part is there there comes a point where and I and I don't know if this applies to the county board, but there comes a point where, you know, we have to tell government that it's going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm a private citizen and I'm engaged in, in public policy in a in a significant way and there you know when asked i sort of reserve the right to go no no this this is not the direction we want to go in and it's not and i i struggle with uh counter elected officials who take criticism personally you know like yeah I, it's tough i mean like i i just wrote this letter to the editor in which i called the city council president a liar and that's, I mean, that she should take that personally because I, I it's did. It's a little competitive, yeah. Right. I, I mean, I did do that. And I I tried. Like, I really tried. Like, I think your dad will confirm that at some point I sent him a letter to the editor that was roughly four times as long as the one that got published. You know, I, and so working with somebody to help me get it narrowed down you know, was one of those things. And I, and I had chickened out several times from saying that she was a liar. And the person who helped me with it said, nope, that's really the crux of what you're saying. You can keep saying all of this other stuff, but what you're saying is that she lied. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to say that she lied. She said, yeah, but all of these eight paragraphs say exactly that she lied. So just say this, you know, three words and it, it was it was incredibly difficult for me but so i i'd like to come back if we can to nonprofits. yeah in the county so yes nonprofits is what is the strategic plan or the justification for the idea as you've articulated it that we're going to keep cutting percentages and percentages and percentages yep. until the county board is not funding any nonprofits at all. Right. Right. Yeah. So that, that was what was articulated at the executive committee earlier this year. And that was the direction that the county administrator took based on that direction. Now I've been, I've been scurrying around trying to figure out like, okay, it makes no sense to cut, you know, the cut money to the women's community when, they get matching funds that like quadruple what we give. Yes. And, and they're, they're helping us meet our strategic goals. Yes. Nobody, nobody, nobody came to the, the health and human services committee and said, Oh, are you sure that the women's community is, is doing stuff to help you meet your strategic goal? Because that's the thing I think that I found kind of offensive about this kind of approach was just that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm given this um, strategic goal you know, healthiest, safest, most prosperous county, and we're working on the healthiest, how can I 
get us to a point of being the healthiest if you're cutting the programs that are getting us there. So one of the things that we've been talking about is just, okay, well, maybe we don't just send them, and, you know, this is a little nuanced, but maybe we don't just send them, you know, $75,000. Maybe what we do instead is say, okay, Marathon County, we want to protect women um, and, and anyone from abuse. We want to make sure there's a safe place. You know, like all of those things that the women's community does. And we say to them, all right, we would like to contract you for services, women's community, with this pot of money. Like this is how we want it to be spent, and this is what we expect to hear about um, when you come back and tell us what our money has done. So it's kind of like just it's accomplishing the same thing, but instead of just saying, here's some money, I guess we'll see you some other time, it's saying, this is what we want done. We can contract with you to get it done. Or maybe if there was something else, we would contract with them, but we're not facing the same kind of, you know, sending money off into space and hoping that it accomplishes something. And, and again, like, that's a little bit nuanced. They're doing this stuff, but maybe we just need something a little bit more formalized. Right, yeah. I mean, that seems to be something you could easily... Well, no, hold on. That seems like <laughs> something you could do in, the, in essentially the funding process. Right. So that's actually what John Robinson and I are working on um, for amending the budget. Um, we're, we're working on, okay, we think these, you know, we picked out the, the top that we thought were super important, and we're saying we want a contract for these services. Um, we think we can pull the money from here, but in the like moving forward, this is how we want to make sure that these are being funded. It's not that it's a nonprofit. It's that this is accomplishing necessary things. There you go. Yeah. And I, you know, obviously the women's community is a big deal, but, and it's, it's a big deal also because it's the one recipient that I know that needs your dollars for matching federal dollars. Mm -hmm. They're not the only one though. I mean, you have, um, NCAP, the community action program. Sure. They, they require a match and we're basically throwing money away for them if we don't fund them. So. Right. It's yeah. not even that much money, which is also the frustrating part. And I, you know, we're looking for money everywhere, but it's not even that much compared to, you know, other things we're spending on. We have $3 million we're collecting on the vehicle registration fee to go directly to roads. But here we are trying to cut $8,000 from NCAP that can use that for federal matching programs right. to help the homeless. Well, now that's crazy. <laughs> I know. We just we just have to leave those people alone in hobo villages, dude. Somebody told yeah. me that there's a, that there's a hobo like they described a camp, which I imagine mm-hmm. is out in the woods somewhere, as a hobo village, and I'm like, look, man, I was I was in San Francisco in the '90s, in Los Angeles in the '90s. Can we not talk about this like, you know, like we're being overrun? You know, yeah. like I imagine that there's a lot, but at the same time, you know, at Joe Volk is my friend, and so the more I the more I spend time with him, and the more I learn about it, the more I know that people are suffering, and it's you know it's real. So, um, yeah, I just it's the seeing programs who get matching funds as somebody who was a part of a program that got matching funds, it uh, it kills it kills me to sort of see that. To, to see what's going on and then to have no confidence that the people who are voting to eliminate these dollars have 
any idea what's going to happen as a result. I know. You know, because... It's just... It's guillotine time. Right. It it does affect real people. Right. I mean, I just... Man, the women's community really sticks with me. Um, But people die. People will die. They will not get the help they need. They will not leave their abusers. They will not be Their children will suffer. will have more ACEs. It's bad. Right. It is... It really and truly is... And it's, you know, and it's not like the private sector is stepping up like, we'll just say the Republicans want to articulate that they do. You know, it's there. There isn't this sort of philanthropic class of people working on social stuff in central Wisconsin, I'll say, you know, and I think the, the philanthropic people in central Wisconsin do amazing work and make my life and my niece's life better every day but at the same time you know they're they're not they're not funding the soup kitchen yeah and and if they do fund it you know you usually there's a there's a limit on it i mean you've got very generous people who don't want their life's work to be running this you know they they'll fund it for maybe startup for three years for a capital campaign for something like that but it's not going to be in perpetuity the way it needs to be funded um, and yeah, it's, it's tough to continue finding those people that are willing to donate to, to these services. I mean, right. when we, I, I keep coming back to the, the nursing home because that's what I know. Sure. Um, but you know, that's one of those things that is not a moneymaker. If you're a private business, I mean, these, you have some of these, um, nursing homes that are closing with no warning, leaving, you know, grandma and grandpa out there with nothing. Right. It is not a moneymaker, and it's very unstable. And, you know, it is very subjected to the whim of, you know, the reimbursement and things like that. It's really, it's problematic. Good luck finding a private, or a private, um, private nursing home that will, that will accept some of that reimbursement that you need. So it's really not, it's not easy to, to run some of this stuff that's really critical for population like North Central Wisconsin. We're aging. You just, you're going to need more nursing home, not less. Right. Yeah. So then as, as a county board member, do you have a, you know, do you have a prescription for going forward? Like, you know, you, you talked about what you and John, by the way, if I think you're nerdy, I think John is so much nerdier than you. Oh man. Just, just yeah, for the he's record. Got like, he's got about 35 more years of this yeah. on me. Um, so I'm just lucky that, that, He's willing to listen to me, and we can work together on stuff um, instead of, you know, trying to go different routes. And but yeah, yeah, he's super nerdy. Yeah, <laughs> and pass on his virus to you. That's that's all. That's how I see it. Just you know. Yeah, like, it's oh, fine. God. So um, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more out there than he is sometimes. You know, he's always. Sometimes I just think something is the right thing to do, and he's like, but what about the criteria? And I'm like, I, it's the right thing to do. That's my criteria. Right. But, you know, he's very methodical, which I appreciate. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fun to sort of to watch John and young people interact because he is – like, I, I get called an incrementalist all the time politically. And so <laughs> John, John and I share that because it's not that we're – incrementalist it's just that look there's this set of guidelines and we'd like to follow them you know and so Mm -hmm. we can't we can't always change the guidelines we can change it a lot but not every time yeah you know you know i go back and forth on that you know 
I totally get it. Like you're able to accomplish things in the system and, you know, do great things and, and even change some things. But man, there is, it, I just, sometimes the system is so broken, it needs to go. Right. I mean, and, and maybe I don't mean the system. Maybe I mean the people who are filling those spaces. I don't know. It's, I go back and forth on that. Sure. Yeah. So then, so looking forward as a county board member, do you have an idea of, you know, or a prescription as to how we can impact these nonprofits less aggressively? Yeah, I'm hoping that we have a good conversation tomorrow. Um, I'm expecting some public comment um, talking about the need for these. You know, I've heard from probably 20 people about the Historical Society. I've heard a bunch of people from the women's community, um, a couple from Community Action and United Way. So I think those are the main um, programs that we're going to be looking to make sure that we're not cutting. Um, Some of the others might. You know, you have things like the the Wisconsin Valley Fair, for instance, um, you know, they've routinely needed some extra funding or, or have asked for extra funding for the, for the fair. And you're not really seeing what they're doing evolve. Um, in fact, it's more expensive for families to go there and things like that. So it's just, again, though, like this is my observation. We do need criteria to evaluate it properly. Um, but I, I would anticipate probably seeing a fight for those four, programs and then maybe the others were okay with cutting a little bit so then as as a non-parent um and a non-history person (laughs) uh what what does the historical society do yeah so i guess for me when i was looking at that one um a obvious they're quite organized with their um their public pressure campaign so kudos to them um but i would say they are the only space here. I mean, I guess we have some of the the library, you know, they'll have some of the microfilm and stuff like that, but they really are dedicated to the history of Marathon County in a way that okay. we wouldn't have without them. When I think, even my, with my job at ESA, you know, we're coming up on the 40th anniversary, you know, like, what am I going to do to figure out some of the, the stuff that went on before I'm going to the historical society and they're going to give me all these boxes and I'm going to read all about, you know, art and Rick and all their hopes and dreams. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny cause that you mentioned that. So that was, uh, when the flapjack guys were the flapjack guys, one of the things yeah. that we had talked about or what they had asked about was writing, essentially writing a book about East Bay and its impact on, central wisconsin and i'm like i would love to write that book and i went to the historical society and uh they gave me a bunch of boxes and it was so cool like it was so cool to sort of see i mean just sort of these random like i i would imagine they're just completely random pictures that art rick and there's families over the years just sort of put in boxes and gave to the historical society just you know like uh the the store that or the yeah the east bay store that existed before they moved it to the prangies area yeah yeah yeah, over yeah that sort of weird like on the 400 black one no 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 before that there's one before that so it's where I don't even know if I remember that. Yeah, so um I think it was in a 
an old garage, like a car garage. <laughs> and uh and it was it was over by where the um where the parking lot for Washington Square is. That's a, that's exactly where it was. So the parking lot between uh, Washington Square and the Federal Building. There, a, a thousand years ago, they they had a store there, and it was before the cattle. It was when I was in seventh seventh or ninth grade. The one year I ran track, and because I wanted a pole vault, and that was it. I was done. Um, that was a that's a stupid sport, um, but uh, yeah, just sort of like I spent a couple of months kind of putting together some basic research for the flapjack guys, and I'm like, look, you guys, this is a good idea. Like this is you could this could happen. Like there is quite a bit of really cool history that that's happened um, sure. that we forget because it's ours that sure. we. That we're like, well, yeah, I mean, every doesn't everybody have an East Bay in their town? Well, no, <laughs> nobody else does. I know. You it's know. crazy that you can go from selling shoes out of your trunk to being part of a Fortune 500 company. It's right. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. It's awesome. It's like the American dream right here. Yeah, and, it, and the two of them didn't seem to have, from from what I was able to gather, didn't seem to have any sense of what they were doing. Like it just sort of rolled into, oh, telephones. Oh yeah, let's get some telephones, you know, and and all of that sort of stuff. And it it really it really really was like a fascinating story to to research and kind of come up with, you know, sort of a, a vision for telling that story. It really, yeah. I guess in that way, yes, you're right. Then now now I'm cool with the historical society all of a sudden. So because yeah, I mean. Th- there's some other options too, you know, like, do I always go and see the historical Yankee house or whatever? Maybe not, but you know, I, I totally went as a kid all the time. And right. Saw the weird petrified squirrel yes. and all that stuff. It's, it's like stuck forever in my mind. Yeah. See, that's, that's the extent of it. Like, okay. So, <laughs> you know, and, but I, I have, uh, I have a really strong, <laughs> I have a really strong personal, reaction to i'm just gonna go with that family you know is is coded language um because members of the family wanted to get skateboarding banned in in wausau and so i obviously i'll i will consistently for the rest of my life raise an army to fight against that so um yeah so i'm not particularly likely to show up at that house going forward but yeah. So, okay, cool. So this has been yeah. awesome. I mean, the Historical Society, I guess just to give them one last plug, sure. you know, they've partnered pretty well with the library and they put on these really great um, lecture series. Yeah. So, and not just, not just here, they're out in Edgar and Athens. They're, they're all out in the county. So it's a good opportunity for all different kinds of people to learn about history um, from here and elsewhere. I went to a really great one that, um, Oh my gosh, Lore is his last name. He did on cranes and this crazy crane counting oh. trip he did around the world. Oh god, it it was amazing. Um, so it's cool stuff. Um, which yeah, maybe at first blush doesn't seem super important all the time, but you know we've got 
see those cranes showing up here too. I it's love awesome. so I love the like anytime somebody talks about cranes yeah. having having worked for the International Crane Foundation, I love it because I think it's the weirdest thing. So I like Dean Zuliger used to tell me that uh all the young Republicans who come out of Whitewater work for the potato growers of America. Like they all, Paul Ryan and, and Rance Priebus and the Vosses, sure. they all have potatoes on their resume. And okay. I and I always joke that, you know, Midwestern Democrats all tend to end up at the Crane Foundation because <laughs> uh, Lon, my former boss, his wife was there. Aaron Zitzelberger was there. I was there. Yeah, it's just sort of one of those things where I'm like, yeah, we all sort of end up there. And it's just, yeah, like it was the it was the reason I got to go to China. I got to go to China for, for them. And uh, Cranes. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, they sound like dinosaurs. So right. there's something so amazing about cranes. Yeah, so I got to go to China and I bought, or I specifically was going to China to record the sounds of this one crane that never leaves China. And it was great, you know. So, yeah, I I adore that. And now that I know that the Historical Society is down with cranes, <laughs> I'm down with the Historical oh. Society. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, hey, you're still running for mayor, right? I am. Okay. So, people want to, if people want to get information about you running for mayor, where do they go? Sure. So, I do have a website. Um, I, I feel. Like, I need to update it all the time. But it's sure. RosenbergForWassa.com. There's some stuff there. Um, on the Facebook page, Rosenberg for Wassa. I'm on Twitter, as you know, but I, I would say that's a mix of everything that I'm interested in and maybe even some things I'm not interested in. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place. Are you enjoying your run for mayor? Uh, you know, it's not as... I feel like I was much more nervous as I got closer to the time when I was like, okay, this is going to be public soon. And, you know, you kind of get anxious about that. And like, yeah. oh, people are going to be saying mean things about me and, and they're going to want to know my answers to all of these questions. And I'm going to sound silly because I won't know everything all at the same time. Um, but actually it's not so bad. And like the people saying the mean things are, it, I just am not bothered at all by it. I'm actually surprised. Um, my mom is, but sure. um, I'm not. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's really interesting to have an excuse to knock on your neighbor's doors and just ask them, well, what do you care about? Right. And what do they care so, about? Uh, number one, filling the potholes. Number two, education. So that's been an interesting discussion when it comes to uh, how does the city influence education? And, you know, one of the things they do is when you have a TIF district, for instance, it is taking money away from other um, taxing entities. So, you know, it's something to think about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so let's end talk. Let's end thinking about TIF <laughs> districts, Katie. That's. I'm sorry. We can talk about something else. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go cook dinner thinking about TIF districts and try not to. Cool stab myself because i'm thinking about tiff districts so yeah i mean i you know there are so many different uh, 
philosophies about TIF districts. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the two general ones are that, yes, we need them in order to do any kind of development at a scale. And the other is, sure, but it actually isn't helping you. It's not doing what they're saying. Um, it's just kind of an excuse. And, you know, there are a lot of people that are kind of in between or they're right. like, we're not doing it right or whatever. But it's it's been really interesting to just read all of those articles and, you know, hear from people. There's a professor at a point who's really against TIF districts. It's kind of interesting. You know, I'm not, not convinced really yet, but. Yeah, it's, it is fascinating to sort of, you know, just like have two or three. Different- when I say, whoa, I mean, whoa.